about a month ago, we started the series in the book of Proverbs, um, looking at various topics to which the book speaks on. And as you know, Proverbs is somewhat kind of, a, it's a life guide or instruction manual um, written by King Solomon, who was deemed to be the wisest person to have ever lived. And anytime you want to learn how to do something or improve upon your skill, whether it's like sports, cooking, stock trading, coding, building, singing, dancing, gaming, whatever, um, you look to the experts, right? You look to the gurus and the specialists. You look to Michael Jordan, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, Gordon Ramsay, Mary Berry, Sean T, or Dr. Phil, or whoever, the ones who are proven to have success in their trade, right? And when these people share their thoughts on their respective area of expertise, people listen, right? Now Solomon's expertise was wisdom. He was the expert in wisdom. He had an especially wise and discerning mind. He knew good from evil. He knew what was profitable and what wasn't. He could foresee the consequences uh, of good or bad decisions. Solomon had insights into life that no one else had. And he shared that wisdom with us in the form of the book of Proverbs. Now Solomon didn't become wise all on his own. He didn't become wise after living like an exceptionally long life. And he didn't obtain his wisdom um, simply by working hard to study all of the wise men before him, though he probably did do that through his lifetime. Um, according to 1 Kings, at an early age, Solomon was given his wisdom by God because he asked for it. 1 Kings chapter 3, starting at verse 11, it reads this, And God said to him, that's Solomon, Because you have asked this, and have not asked for, for yourself long life or riches or the life of your enemies, but you have asked for yourself understanding to discern what is right. Behold, now I do according to your word. Behold, I give you a wise and discerning mind, so that none like you has ever been before you, and none like you shall arise after you. I give you also what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that no other king shall compare with you all of your days. So Solomon's wisdom didn't just come from his life experience. His wisdom came from God himself. It was God who gave him the supernatural, his supernatural ability, making him the wisest man around. So if you want to learn how to be wise, if you want to learn how to love God with your living, then look to the book of Proverbs. Okay? Because the wisdom that we find in this book didn't just originate from the wisest man who ever lived. It was written by the infinitely wise God. So as we continue in the series, know that the wisdom laid out in this book came from God himself. Okay? These words, they aren't just a wise man's opinion. They're life lessons from the author of life. Now when we read through the book of Proverbs, we find ourselves always answering the following question. Am I like the wise man or am I like the fool? See, Solomon often gives his instructions by describing the contrast between those two. He doesn't always um, directly tell us how to act, but he describes the wise and he describes the foolish, then he lets us decide who we want to be. I used to love reading those uh, choose your own adventure books. You guys, you guys remember that? Because those books, they, they gave me some control on, on how the story plays out. Does anyone remember those? Um, and so, like, you read along, right, in these books, right? And then you get to these points in the, in the book where you're given a decision to make. It's like, it'll say something like, you know, go to page 15 if you want to use the boulder to smash the window and run free. Or flip to page 105 if you want to use the boulder to smash your enemies to freedom. Um, so they give you like, like two different choices and two different outcomes. But initially, there's like no obvious right or wrong answer. You have to keep reading on to find out what happens. And usually one decision eventually leads you to a trap and, you know, ends the story early while the other kind of lets you to continue towards a more desirable ending. And this kind of reminds me of the book of Proverbs because oftentimes Solomon simply just lays out the facts and leaves the reader with a decision. Okay? He contrasts the wise and the foolish. 
He contrasts the good and the evil, the righteous and the wicked, the rich and the poor, the lazy and the hardworking. He gives two contrasting pictures, and where we end up, or who we liken ourselves to, depends on our response. We get to choose our own path. Now, unlike the choose-your-own-adventure books, in the Proverbs, almost anyone can see that one path is clearly better than the other, okay? And that's the intent, okay? The wisdom given in the form of a proverb is meant to point us to what is right by making the answers blaringly obvious, okay? Would you rather be a wise man or a fool, right? Would you rather be righteous or wicked, rich or poor, right? The choices are usually pretty clear. So even though these proverbs instruct us in kind of a unique way, they're meant to still exhort us towards godly living. Uh, we're not explicitly told what to do in the form of a command all the time, but we're warned against what will happen if we respond like the fool, right? So we should take heed to what God is telling us through Solomon, and we should be careful to choose the path of the wise. And so tonight, um, we'll see how both the wise and the foolish use their words. Um, but before we go on, uh, let's uh, take a moment to pray. Father, uh, we thank you for your word, God. We thank you that it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. And we ask right now that um, as we go and, and read your word, that it would convict our hearts, that we would be open to listening, and that you would um, speak to us, God. Speak to us with um, many words, and, and may um, my words as I speak um, be as few as possible, God. Um, so we ask for your wisdom, and we ask for your uh, help. In your name we pray. Amen. Um, Solomon had a lot to say about what we say. In the book of Proverbs alone, um, there's easily over a hundred references um, pertaining to like the tongue, the mouth, the lips, and the use of our words. And if Solomon, the wisest man to have ever lived, thought it was important enough to bring it up that frequently, then it's probably something that we should take notice of, right? See, words are important. And they're important because they have power. In fact, God created the universe using only his words. He spoke things into existence. His words had power to create something out of nothing. Now, none of us are God, and so we could never do what he did with his words. But that doesn't mean that our words don't have any power. We might not always consciously believe this, but our words are powerful. Proverbs 18.21 says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. The instrument by which your words are spoken, your tongue, yields the power of life and death. Right? Now that's a lot of power at our disposal, right? And the scary part is that on a daily basis, we are spewing out several thousands of these words from our mouth all of which have the potential to be either life-giving or death-dealing. So we can't take this power lightly, okay? Our words, they're rarely neutral. They either help or they harm. So we can't go around using them carelessly, okay? It's no wonder that Solomon said in Proverbs 21, 23, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out of trouble. So we have to be purposeful with our words that we choose because they can have a powerful and lasting effect on our friends, family, and our neighbors, um, and anybody else who hears them, for better or for worse. Okay. So for, for our outline tonight, um, we're going to look at three actions of the tongue. Three actions of the tongue. We can use the tongue to harm, to help, and to hide. Harm, help, and hide. Okay, so let's look at the first action. We can use the tongue to harm. To harm. When we were young, we were taught um, this phrase: "Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me." Right? But by now, we all know that phrase is a lie. Right? It's simply not true. Words can definitely hurt. Some of the most painful memories I have. 
Um, they weren't physical, but verbal. They were mere words of the tongue spoken either to me or about me. The Bible um, often warns against the danger of the tongue. Um, James uh, likens the tongue to a fire. He says this in chapter 3 of, of his letter. He says, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. With the recent climate changes and wildfires all over the state, um, it shouldn't be very hard for us to understand this illustration, right? The words spoken from the tongue can be like a devastating fire that spreads quickly. It destroys everything in its path. They can become so big that they become nearly impossible to contain. And even long after the fire is extinguished, you can still smell its smoke. You can still feel, still feel the effects uh, of the damage that's been done by the fire. Well, our tongues have the potential to do that much damage. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. All of the beasts on the earth are tameable by man, James says, but no man is able to tame the tongue. It's restless. It's unstable. It's like a wild animal. It's, it's, unpredictable. it's an unpredictable evil that's ready to speak with deadly poison. One thing that makes the tongue so deadly is, is, is the accessibility. There's almost no easier way for us to sin than with our tongue. It's always with us. We carry it around in our mouths like this concealed weapon that's ready to be used at any moment, right? We can say whatever we want, whenever we want, to whomever we want. The tongue is even more dangerous in today's context because now our words, they, they have a platform to travel faster than they've ever been able to tra travel before, okay? We have technology that allows us to record almost an infinite amount of words from our smartphones. Right? There's the internet and, and social media where um, you could have like one tweet or one post on TikTok can go viral and it can be viewed by millions of people in the course of the day. Okay? There's just so much more visibility into what people are saying now. And so now, more than ever, it's crucial for us to control our tongue. I'm always finding articles in the news about people um, being harmed either by the foolish words they've said themselves or by slanderous words spoken from others. And it's not just the celebrities in the headlines anymore. It's everyday people like you and I, okay? Ruined reputations, lost jobs, closed businesses, individuals who are now physically hurt or, or even killed. And so often is the case that the source of all of this calamity can be traced back to an ill word that was spoken. Okay. In the age of like, cancel culture and, and like mobs and online shaming and Karens, um, we need to be especially careful with our words, right? Lest we incriminate ourselves and ruin our own testimony. Any one of us could be in the next headline. It's scary. Proverbs 18.7 says, A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. The words that we speak and the words that we post um, have the potential to ruin not only those who hear them, but also to those who speak them. Okay, So we need to watch what we say, not only for the sake of others, but for the sake of our own soul. All of us have caused harm with our words, right? It's nothing shocking to us. We speak so freely that, that sometimes we don't even recognize when our words are harmful. But when we speak words that harm others, we sin. Okay? See, it's the fool who uses his tongue to harm. His lips are a snare to his soul. His mouth is his ruin. And what I want to do right now is look at a few characteristics of a harmful tongue. Okay, so that we can better identify it and, and that we can avoid being likened to a fool. Okay? So 
I'm going to go through a couple of characteristics. I have three. There's way more. Um, but the first one is, uh, the first characteristic of a harmful tongue is that it is dishonest. We can call it 1A if you want. A, 1A. Um, the harmful tongue is dishonest. The tongue that causes, can cause great harm is often dishonest. Proverbs 6.16 says this, There are six things that the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him, haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and one who sows discord among brothers. Now, two of those seven abominations to God deal with our speech. A lying tongue and a false witness who breathes out lies. It shows up twice on the list. Okay? So see, God hates, He 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 hates a lying tongue. He hates words that aren't truthful. And Genesis 3 tells us, uh, gives us one of the reasons why, probably. Okay? Back in the garden, remember, Satan, the father of lies, he approaches Eve uh, disguised as a, as a serpent. And he asks, did God actually say you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? Right? And later on in verse 4, he tells the lie. Okay? He says, you will not surely die. And just this one little lie, this one dishonest word caused death to enter the world. All of mankind permanently separated from God as a result from a single lie. Now lying, or a, a dishonest tongue, uh, can present itself in many ways. But no matter how it's expressed, it's always harmful. Let me give you some, run through some quick examples um, that we might be able to relate to um, on different ways that lying is expressed. Um, the first thing is exaggeration. Exaggeration. Exaggeration is simply another form of lying. When we exaggerate, we start off with a truth, right? But then we mix in some lies to kind of amplify our story. It's a dishonest use of our words to make things seem like way, 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 way bigger, right? Or smaller than they really are. It's really, it's really just lying to get people more interested in what you're saying. Um, and it's actually, it's self-centered. It, it actually harms your credibility and the reputation of those involved in the story. Another form of lying is um, a, a broken promise. When you say that you'll do something, but you really don't have any intention on doing it, right? You're being dishonest. You're lying. Sometimes it's unintentional, and sometimes it's very intentional. A, a broken promise causes uh, a loss of trust. It, it harms the relationship. There's, the, there's white lies. There's the little, tiny little white lies um, that we tell to cover our tracks, right? They're actually no better than the so-called bigger lies. They're just like straight up lies, right? But uh, we might think that if, a, if the lie is small enough, it's not going to cause any harm. But somehow they always find their way back to bite us, okay? White lies are lies that are harmful, okay? Then there's gossip. Proverbs 16, 28 a dishonest man spreads strife, and a whisperer separates close friends. See, gossip is dishonest because it's said behind a person's back. It's a whisper. It's said in secret. It doesn't matter if the content is true. It's still dishonest if it can only be repeated behind someone's back. It's when we go over to a corner, you know, to talk about someone across the room. Or when we create like a separate chat to share the details of how so-and-so sinned. Oh, by the way, you know, did you hear about, you know, John? And you're like, what? John? And you're like, oh, uh, make sure you don't tell anyone, okay? Okay, just, just make sure you don't tell anyone. And you're like, oh yeah, of course, of course, I'm not going to tell anybody, right? Uh, of course. It, it can come in the form of a prayer request, right? Oh, make sure we please pray for... For Billy over there, okay, he's just really been struggling in his sin. Oh, oh, really? How, how so? And and then it starts. Gossip, it, it just it just starts. 
if we went if we want to avoid harming others with our tongue, we should avoid gossip like the plague. Okay? Another form of lying, uh, lastly, is flattery. Okay? Proverbs twenty six twenty eight says, "A lying tongue hates its victims, and a flattering mouth works ruin." Flattery is yet another form of dishonesty. Kent Hughes said this in his most famous book. Um, he said, "Gossip." involves saying behind a person's back what you would never say to his or her face. Flattery means saying to a person's face what you would never say behind his or her back. It's when we use our words to, to, to kind of butter someone up, right? And, and we use them, we, we try to make them look better than they really are. It's, it, it's different from a compliment, okay? A compliment is given based on something that you actually believe to be true. Flattery is giving a compliment based on what you know to be false. Okay? The word for flatter means, uh, flattery means smooth. It's like a smooth talker. Right? It's when we use smooth words to get something that we want. It could be that we want material items. Or it could simply be that we want to get someone to like us. But flattery always leads to ruin, says Solomon. Well, regardless of how it's expressed, a, a dishonest tongue always leads to harm. Proverbs 19.9 says, A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who breathes out lies will perish. There's no peace for the man uh, with a dishonest tongue. He will not go unpunished. Are we consistently dishonest with our words? If we want to avoid being harmful with our tongue, we need to stop being dishonest with it. Okay, so that's the first one. Uh, the second characteristic, the harmful tongue is often rash. That's the second characteristic. Uh, uh, the tongue that harms is often rash. Okay? I remember a time back in college when I went down south to visit some of my friends during break, and when we were being introduced to, to like some of their friends down there um, around the table as we were eating, um, they kind of went around and started saying their names, and so they were introducing me. They were like, okay, like, this is Ben, this is Mary, this is Chris, this is KK. And, and right at that moment, I immediately, I was like, KK? Like, and I said that in, like, kind of like a most, like, disgusted tone, because I thought for sure that, like, I misheard it. Uh, and everyone there just, like, paused for a moment in deathly silence until somebody, somebody, bless her heart, one of my friends, she, she spoke up, and she kind of glared at me. She was like, yes, KK. And, I, and then I was like, oh, KK, it's nice to meet you. Uh, but it was just really embarrassing, okay? And everyone was actually very gracious to me, okay? But when I think back to that moment, I still can't believe just how foolish I was for responding so carelessly. Like, it was just so insensitive, okay? Proverbs 29, 20. Um, says this, it says, Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope for a fool than for him. Are you always eager to jump in and, and speak your mind? Are you usually thinking of the next thing to say instead of listening? Do you, do you often speak before giving your words any thought? Or are you quick to respond based on your emotions? Odds are, if you're doing this, you're doing more harm with your tongue than you are doing good. Solomon says that rash words are like sword thrusts, okay? The picture is of a man, like, pulling out his sword and wildly, like, thrusting it around, like, you know, like the three musketeers or something. His, his words are, are reckless, and they're being thrown out every which way, piercing anyone in its path. Proverbs 18.13 says, If one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. It's all too common, right? We answer before listening. We give advice before hearing the full story. We condemn others before knowing all the facts. We spread a rumor that we find out later to be untrue. Solomon says it's, it's our folly and our shame. There's an, there's an old famous story about a woman who was responsible for spreading a rumor uh, about a neighbor in the community that she found out later to be untrue. Okay? She had... 
uh, deep regret for what she said. And so she kind of, she went down to the, to the local, to the rabbi for some advice. And the rabbi said this, he said, okay, go take a bag of chicken feathers and lay them across the doorsteps of the homes in your neighborhood. Okay, and so she was confused, obviously, but, but she complied. And she came back the next day saying, okay, I've done, I've done what you asked. I spread all those chicken feathers on the doorsteps. And the rabbi said, oh, great, good. Now go back and recollect all of the feathers that you scattered. Well, that's impossible, she said. The wind has blown the feathers all across town. And the rabbi responded, well, that's exactly right. And it's the same with your words. Though you may be forgiven, you'll never be able to take them back. We need to guard our words carefully and think whether they should even be said at all because once they're spoken, they can never be taken back. When we speak rashly, we're just setting ourselves up for more harm. Okay, lastly, um, the harmful tongue is characterized by the use of many words. Many words, okay? The more we speak, the more opportunity we have for our tongue to do harm. Proverbs 10.19 says, um, When words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lips is prudent. The wise man keeps a close guard on his mouth because he knows the damage that it can do. He knows that the more he speaks, the more opportunity he'll have to sin, and the more people he'll potentially offend. Right? So just, see, just one wrong word can destroy a person's character. It can make him useless, right, for, for a long time because no one will trust him. One wrong word can separate family members. It can divide a church. It can cause others to stumble. It can set fire to a marriage, and the list goes on, right? And imagine what you can do with many words, right? Some of us who are silent um, in the face-to-face -face interactions can actually be pretty outspoken with many words on social media. Um, I've seen it in my Facebook feed, people commenting on these random articles and, and saying things that they don't really need to be saying. Um, sometimes they'll start arguments online or speak into matters that are just meant to spark controversy. Sometimes I even see people like trolling kind of for like negative responses. Um, and I just want to give a quick, quick word of warning on that. If, if you actively comment on social media, um, just remember that the words you write, they have a much broader audience and a much higher chance of being misinterpreted or, or mischaracterized. So even, even something like a simple like or a thumbs up or an emoji um, can be misconstrued. So it would be wise to seriously just evaluate the quantity and the quality of your words being shared online. Here's a, a classic guide um, to follow before speaking or, or writing something. The three, three questions to ask, right? Is it true? Is it necessary? And is it kind? Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it kind? Remember, there, there, there's wisdom in silence. And, and, when, and where words are many, sin abounds. Okay. So we can choose... Um, that's the, that's the first point. We can choose to, to use our tongues for harm. That was the first action. Now let's turn our attention to the other side, right? We can use our tongue to help. That's the second action. We can use our tongue to help. Though we so often use our tongues for harm, when controlled, the tongue can be just as powerful, okay? It can be used just as powerfully to help. James gives us two examples to help us understand the potential of the tongue. Okay? He says, look at the horse. Okay? We, we put this little bit in the mouth of the horse, uh, of this wild horse, and we're able to harness its power and, and, and control its entire body. So, so, so now we can put that horse to work and, and do things that we couldn't do when it was just like roaming around wildly. Okay, or he says, second, he says, think of a ship. 
think of a, a, one of those massive ships. It's it's driven by the strong wind. If you've ever if you've ever stood like near a cruise ship, that's the only big ship that I've stood next to a cruise ship, or, or any other huge boat, um, you can understand how powerful one of those ships feel. Okay, yet it's this tiny little rudder, the rudder that directs its the whole course of the ship. And when the pilot he grabs hold of the helm, which moves that rudder back and forth. Um, he has complete control over the ship, where the ship is heading. He directs the entire course. The entire path of that vessel is being controlled by him. And likewise, James says that though the tongue is a small member, it boasts great things. When we have it under control, we, we can direct the course of our entire body. We can control how to use its great power to speak words that help rather than harm. Solomon said, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life, and the tongue of the wise can bring healing. It's the harmful, if the harmful tongue is dishonest, rash, and speaks with many words, then we'll see that the helpful tongue is just the opposite. Okay? And let's, so let's look at some of the characteristics of a helpful tongue, like we did with the dishonest, the other uh, harmful tongue. <laughs> First, a helpful tongue is characterized by honesty. Right? Dishonest words are harmful, but honest words are helpful. The helpful tongue is an honest tongue. When we speak what is right, when, when we are honest with our words, we are delight to God. See, God hates lying lips, but he loves those who speak what is right. Proverbs 16.13 says, Righteous lips are the delight of a king, and he loves him who speaks what is right. When we speak the truth in love, we bring delight to our king. We please the God who created us. This is perhaps the greatest unseen benefit of speaking the truth. Okay? We can be confident that when we speak what is right, we are honoring our Heavenly Father. Okay? There's a great comfort knowing that despite all of the harm that we've caused or can cause with our tongue, um, it's possible to please still please God through our speech, okay? And we do that when we use our tongue to speak words that are true. When we preach the gospel together to others, God is pleased. When we honestly encourage one another, God is honored. When we speak the truth in love, God takes delight in us. He loves those who speak what is right. Now, speaking honestly isn't easy. Um, it's not easy to tell a friend that he's living in sin. Okay? It's not easy to preach the gospel to, to a co-worker, especially in San Francisco. It's not easy to speak the truth on moral issues to a society that disagrees. But the truth is always more helpful than a lie. Okay? Proverbs 27 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Now this might sound, when I first read that, I was like, oh, it sounds kind of contradictory because it, because it sounds like the friend who's speaking the truth is actually doing the harm while the enemy is giving out all these nice kisses, right? But Solomon is simply telling us that a true friend will speak the truth to us even when it hurts. The ones who lie and hide, behind the, hide, and hide the truth uh, behind flattering words um, they're really not friends at all. Solomon says they're like more like enemies. They, they pile on those kisses of deception. They don't tell you what you need to hear. They tell you what they think you want to hear. Okay? Maybe they fear the truth will anger you or, or harm uh, your friendship. Maybe, maybe they just don't want to get in trouble themselves. Whatever the reason is, it's no excuse for dishonesty. A dishonest friend might make you feel good in the moment, but they won't love you enough to tell you the truth when you need it most. But when we speak the truth to each other in love, we not only bless the hearer, but we honor God in the process. This is why we should strive to be honest with our words. I can remember a specific time um, when I uh, confronted a friend for talking behind someone's back. I remember it because I don't, don't do it very often to my shame. Um, but I remember this time. She, she, she was the ex-girlfriend, okay, 
of one of my good friends. Okay? And she, what she was doing was she was kind of pitting uh, another friend against him, saying all these things behind his back. It wasn't anything like, you know, overtly like malicious, but it was frequent enough to cause my other friend to like join on, like on her side. Okay. So, so I was, I was get, one night, I, I was giving her a ride home um, and I decided to bring it up to her. And it was, it was a weird moment. Okay. It was just kind of, it was strange. I, I was, I was pretty nervous and, and I was actually just trying to laugh it off as I was telling her because I was like super nervous. And um, we weren't exactly like super close, you know, and I just had, I had absolutely no clue what she was thinking. Okay. She just kind of, she kind of sat there and she kind of nodded a bit like, okay. And then it was quiet for a long while. Um, but she didn't really say much in the moment. And then that was kind of it. Like we just like changed topics randomly and moved on. And so I thought, okay, well that was just kind of awkward and uh, unfruitful. Um, but, but a few days later, and this is why I remember this, so, um, I, I get a call from my other friend, the friend who, 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 she, um, who, who she was talking about, okay? And he told me that she actually called to apologize to him. So, so he was calling me uh, and, and thanking me for speaking to her about it. Uh, he, he explained that she was, she was holding on to some bitterness um, since they broke up, but she didn't realize that what she was doing was, uh, when she was talking about him to my other friend, that she was affecting their friendship. Um, and, and she didn't realize that until uh, I mentioned that to her that night, you know? And, and I was just like totally shocked, okay? I had no clue that my words would actually have that kind of effect on her. But it showed me that, that truthful words are more helpful than they are harmful. Okay? Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Yes, it was uncomfortable for a time, but it, it helped to heal the, a relationship. Right? It convicted a person of sin. It prevented gossip and, and slander. And best of all, it was honoring to God. So we shouldn't underestimate the effects of an honest tongue. We don't always know uh, who will be affected by our words and, and to what degree. Like, we, we just don't know. This is why the default value of our tongues should always be set to true. For all the programmers out there. Oh. A helpful tongue is an honest tongue. Okay. I'm glad Alex appreciated that. Okay. <laughs> Second, the helpful tongue is slow. The helpful tongue is slow. This is the second characteristic of helpful tongue. Harmful words are often rash or spoken hastily, uh, but helpful words are slow in the sense that they're thought out, okay? They're not carelessly spoken. Solomon says in Proverbs 15:28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. If you want your words to be helpful, then it would be wise to think, uh, to, to, it would be wise to think them through, okay? You, you need to think them through before speaking them. Now Solomon is, isn't saying that, you know, every time you talk to somebody, you have to have this kind of long dramatic pause. You know, I gotta think, think before I'm talking, right? Uh, though I actually think that that actually might help some people. Um, He's, he's saying that the righteous man takes his time to weigh his responses, okay? He listens intently before talking. He, he waits to hear the full story before speaking his mind. He, he, takes time, uh, he takes his time to respond to sensitive matters because he knows the outcome. It's not only dependent on the words themselves, but the way he delivers them. See, it's especially helpful to, to, to speak slowly when talking with someone who's struggling. A lot of uh, unnecessary harm can be avoided if we just slow it down, okay? If we take the time to become more aware of the situation before speaking. Proverbs 12, 25 says this, it says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. 
when someone is being weighed down, a, a quick word can easily leave him worse off than before. But a good, a good, like, well-thought-out word can make all the difference, right? I know this is definitely true in my own heart. When I'm feeling down or scared or, or any number of emotions, um, sometimes the last thing I want is, like, a quick word from this, you know, godly guy telling me everything that I'm doing wrong, okay? But, but a short, like, empathetic and encouraging word can go a long way towards cheering me up. It's the slow tongue that is helpful, not the sword thrusts of a rash tongue. Okay? Are we slow to speak, or is our tongue already accustomed to speaking hastily? If we want to be helpful with our words, we need to be quick to hear and what? Slow to speak. It's good. I like, I like that delayed response. You guys didn't answer immediately. Right? Shows me that you were slow to speak. Okay. Anyways, the third characteristic. Let's move on to the third characteristic. The helpful tongue often speaks less. Okay? The helpful tongue often speaks less. It's honest, it's slow to speak, and its words are few. Okay? While the harmful tongue is gushing, it's like gushing out many words, the tongue of the wise and helpful um, know how to speak less. Okay? They just know how to speak less words and less frequently. Proverbs uh, 17.27 says, Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Sometimes it, it's best that we just restrain our words, right? Especially if we're, we're somehow like affected emotionally, okay? The wise don't speak in their anger. They know that, that the words of a cool spirit, a cool and calming spirit, are more likely to be helpful. Sometimes um, more words, they just escalate, escalate the situation. I know whenever uh, I get into an argument my, with my wife, um, there comes a point where I just need to realize that the more I speak, the worse it gets, okay? But sometimes I'm just like being such a fool. Like I just, I just, I can't stop talking. I can't stop antagonizing and provoking her because I'm hurt and angry, okay? And believe me, in those situations, I always regret my words in the end, okay? But when I'm wise and I, I restrain my words, things always seem to fare way better. That's not an exaggeration, okay? We all respond better uh, to a few calming words as opposed to like a barrage, like an attack of words, okay? Verse 28, verse 28 says this, it, it goes on to say, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Let me read that again. Even a, even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. That's better. It's wise to speak fewer words in general, right? And sometimes it's even wiser to say nothing at all. When we speak less, we have a lower probability of causing harm. Are your words many or are they few? The wise man speaks less and the foolish, uh, the foolish man speaks much. If you have a tendency uh, to, 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 to silence the room after speaking, or if people seem to be constantly turned off by your words, then you should take a step back and think about why that is, okay? In a given interaction, maybe you need to be slower to speak, okay? Maybe you need to speak less, or, or maybe, maybe it's wise of you to not speak at all. Paul says this in Ephesians 4, it says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. If your words are not profitable, okay, if they're not good for building up, then maybe they don't need to be said. Okay? The tongue of the wise man is trained to speak with less words um, rather than many. So we can choose to use our tongue to harm or to help. We can choose to speak with honesty or dishonesty. We can speak rashly or slowly. 
with few words or with many. And lastly, we can choose to use our tongue to hide. To hide. That's the last action. The last action of the tongue is to hide. We use our tongue um, to harm, to help, and to hide. What I'm referring to here is the use of religious words to hide our spiritual condition. Okay? It's using our tongue to hide who we, who we really are. Okay? And there's no place more conducive to this type of hiding than in the religious setting. Right? It's in the church. With all the spiritual jargon that we have, right? it just makes it easy for anyone to just learn the lingo, right, and hide behind those religious words. All we have to do, it, um, all we have to do, we can just walk around, throw around a few spiritual keywords and phrases, like we all, we all kind of have them, um, and, and it'll easily avoid any suspicion from our peers, right? Just throw a, throw a couple, oh, like, a, yeah, oh, I'll be praying for you, right? Oh, it, it kind of just makes you think that, oh, yeah, you're you must be doing well, you're going to pray for me, right? Great. Um, but using our tongue to hide, it, it doesn't do any good for us. Okay? Proverbs 26, 23 says, like the glaze covering an earthen vessel are fervent lips with an evil heart. He says, you can't just hide the condition of your heart by covering it with your words. You can't just glaze your words over and expect, um, expect it to be okay on the inside. Okay? Hiding behind Christian terminology does nothing for the condition of your soul. Okay? Sometimes the glaze, it, it can be so smooth and so thick that, that we even deceive our own selves, that we even deceive ourselves. Okay? We convince ourselves that, that we're right before God because we know all of the right words to say. But that can be one of the biggest dangers to our soul. Okay? When we talk the Christian talk for so long and yet we never realize we've, we've hidden the true condition of our heart behind empty words, even to ourselves. The Pharisees, um, they, were, they were the best at hiding, right? They were the best at hiding behind their words. They were always out to be seen in public, showing off their piety, fasting with loud groans, right? Praying aloud in the streets for everyone to hear, arguing and, and debating useless things to sound spiritual, and while most of the church praised them for being like the spiritually elite, Jesus called them out as whitewashed tombs, right? He confronted them for washing the outside of the cup, but not the inside. He quoted Isaiah, who said, These people praise me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. See, their talk was empty. Their devotion was just a disguise. They were never genuinely converted. They were just merely hiding behind religious words. But no man can hide forever. It's been said, um, you can fool all people some of the time, and some people all of the time. But you can't fool God at any time. Okay? See, we have to choose what we want. Do we want the praise of man, or do we want the praise of God? Those who choose to hide behind their words, they've already received their greatest reward here on earth. Okay? Jesus, in Matthew 12, says this, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give an account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. See, every lie that we've ever told, every unkind word, every mutter underneath our breath, every provoking phrase that we've ever said. We will give an account for these. We will give an account for every careless word spoken or written. Okay? There won't be any excuses. There's going to be no words to hide under. God will look deep down into the, into the depths of your heart and see every single motive behind every word. And this must be why Isaiah said, said, Behold, I am a man of unclean lips, right? When he was brought before God. Every word will be accounted for, 
And by those very words, we will either be acquitted or condemned. Now, don't misunderstand me here. Um, our good words and our good works, they, they don't achieve anything for us before God. Okay? They don't gain us any favor um, when it pertaining, pertaining to salvation. Okay? But our words, they do give evidence to a heart that's been transformed. They can prove whether or not our conversation, our conversion, rather, is genuine or fake. See, see, the mouth speaks out of abundance of the heart, right? There's a direct correlation between the tongue and the heart. If you want a good gauge on your spiritual health, you can look at the tongue, okay? Go look at your speech. Look at the way you talk and respond. Someone who has been transformed by the grace of God will generally exhibit control over their tongue. But we can't get it backwards, right? We can't work to control our tongue without first having a transformed heart. Okay? James tells us that no man can tame the tongue. But God can, right? God can tame the tongue. No man can, but God will. He can, and he will give you the strength to control your tongue. Every believer, through the working of the Holy Spirit, can gain a handle. They can gain a control over the tongue so that it can be used for God's glory. He can make the wicked man righteous. He can make the poor man rich. He can turn the foolish into the wise man. So let's be like the wise. Right? Let's be like the wise man and control our tongue with the power of the Spirit. Let's honor God with both our heart and our lips. Let's use our tongue to help and not harm. And instead of using our tongue to hide, let's use it to proclaim the goodness of God as those transformed by His grace. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word, God. Um, it, it, we thank you that um, it, it can pierce through the heart, God. Um, I know that when I when I read your word, um, it, it's just I feel safe because I know that your words are true. But anytime I speak my from my for myself, I know that my tongue has the potential um, to do great harm, God. And so that I pray that um, they would forget anything that I've said, but mainly remember. Um, the things that um, that you've said through your word, God. We ask that you would help us to um, guard our tongue. We ask that you would help us to speak honestly and, and to speak slowly and to speak um, just fewer words in general so that we might just minimize the, ri the, the risk of harming one another, God. We also ask that you would help us um, not to hide behind um, just these spiritual words, God, but that we would... Um, speak out of an abundance of our heart, God, that our, our joy would just flow out of our tongues, God, flow out from our lips, Lord. Uh, we ask that um, you would just help us to do that, God, help us to, to love you more so that we might speak of your love more um, through our tongue, God. We ask these things in your name. Amen.